Hello everyone, and welcome back to Endipod. For those of you who are new here, my name is Lois Mitchell, and I'm a third year medical student. Today's episode, we're concluding our Endogyne series with a Mythbusters episode, looking at the conditions we've covered in this series so far. So go check out the last episode on Endometriosis by Nina if you've not had the chance to listen to it yet. So the first myth is that hormones define women. The term hormonal is commonly used to describe women at times. Quite a number of people even equate the feeling of anxiety, depressed mood, crying spells, mood swings, and irritability or anger, appetite changes, and social withdrawal to being hormonal. However, newsflash, everyone has hormones, including men, and nobody likes them to be messed with. A study in male contraception was discontinued because participants couldn't handle contraception side effects of acne, injection pain, and emotional disorders. Well, these side effects actually occur in women as a result of birth control or even fluctuation in female hormones as they approach the period. Now the next myth is a common old wife's tale, and that is that the shape of your belly can predict the gender of your baby. And some people still believe this today. Some people say that if a woman's belly kicks out straight like a torpedo, this means that she's definitely going to have a baby girl. Others say that if a woman is looking thick around the edges or carrying wide, it is likely for her to be carrying a baby boy. Well, a woman's belly shape has more to do with her body type and shape before pregnancy than it does with baby sex. People with shorter torsos tend to have their bump stick out because there's nowhere else for the baby to go. If the bump is wide set, it may just mean that the baby is lying sideways. The next myth is that women who are pregnant have to eat twice as much. A large number of people believe that women have to eat twice as much in order for to ensure that the baby is getting enough nutrients during pregnancy. In fact, while the baby's nutrition does depend on the mother's diet, this does not mean that the mothers have to eat double the amount during pregnancy. During the first trimester, mum does not actually need any extra calories. In the second trimester, they only need about an extra 340 calories. And in the final trimester, they only need an extra 150 calories on top of that 340. Eating too much during pregnancy can have negative consequences such as excess weight gained, which is difficult to take off after birth of the baby, and it also increases the risk of gestational diabetes and high blood pressure, as well as high blood pressure disorders during pregnancy. This next myth is extremely common, and it is that it's okay to have a glass of wine when you're pregnant. But in reality, there is no safe amount of alcohol to be consumed when pregnant. In fact, it is recommended that pregnant women avoid alcohol at all costs. Even small amounts of alcohol can place a baby at risk, regardless of the stage of pregnancy. This is due to the fact that a baby's brain and nervous system are developing in all three trimesters. Additionally, any amount of alcohol consumed during pregnancy reaches the fetus through the placenta and the umbilical cord. So, this places the baby at a higher risk of developing fetal alcohol syndrome. Therefore, it is wise to avoid even a negligible amount of wine during pregnancy, as alcohol costs causes the worst neurobehavioural effects on the fetus. The next myth is that endometriosis only affects the pelvic region. Endometriosis itself refers to a condition when tissues that are normally present in the womb start to develop somewhere else. The pelvic region is commonly the place where these tissues arise, and thus commonly cause heavy bleeding during a woman's period. However, it is not the only place that these tissues can grow. In fact, these tissues can grow anywhere in the body. This leads us to our next myth, and that is that endometriosis is always painful. This is a really big misconception. In fact, one third of women suffering from endometriosis actually do not present with any symptoms at all. 
As a result, this makes it hard for doctors to diagnose endometriosis. Usually in these cases, endometriosis is only diagnosed when a woman is investigated for other things, such as infertility. Our next myth is that PCOS only affects overweight women. There is a stereotype that PCOS is a condition of the so-called fat-bearded lady, and although an increased body weight does double the risk of developing PCOS, it can still develop in women who are not overweight and even underweight. Another reason why people might believe that PCOS only affects overweight people is that if an overweight woman has irregular periods, then this may be misdiagnosed as PCOS instead of the actual underlying cause. The next misconception is that if you have PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome, that means that you have polycystic ovaries. And despite the name, PCOS is a condition that is diagnosed by the presence of at least two of the following. Irregular periods, excess male sex hormones and the symptoms that come with this, and polycystic ovaries on ultrasound. Therefore, women can have menstrual irregularities and excess male sex hormones and can be diagnosed with PCOS, even though she doesn't have polycystic ovaries. This misconception is why some healthcare professionals are calling for PCOS to be rebranded as Reproductive Metabolic Syndrome, as this name addresses the actual causes and physiology of this condition. Our next myth is that you cannot get pregnant if you have PCOS, and although it can cause infertility, it does not necessarily mean that someone diagnosed with PCOS will never become pregnant. It just means that it may be more difficult to become pregnant, but it's not impossible. And although there are increased levels of male sex hormones in people with PCOS, it's still possible for a woman to become pregnant both naturally and using fertility enhancing drugs. So even though a diagnosis of PCOS may come with thoughts of never being able to give birth, it's not a be all and end all, as fertility specialists can help those affected have a family. Myth number 10, gestational diabetes is permanent. This is probably the most common misconception regarding gestational diabetes. This is a condition that is both manageable and reversible, as the high blood sugar levels associated with this can be closely monitored and treated using both lifestyle changes and medication. These treatments can even lower the level so much that they return to normal, effectively reversing the condition. Oftentimes, the high blood sugar levels of gestational diabetes return to normal after birth, so this condition is not permanent. But you do need to bear in mind that gestational diabetes does increase the risk of developing diabetes later in life. This is not gestational diabetes persisting, but is rather the development of a separate blood sugar disorder. And our final myth is that gestational diabetes is the mother's fault. First and foremost, gestational diabetes is nobody's fault, especially not the mother's. Many women suffer from a sense of guilt after getting a diagnosis of gestational diabetes. But it's essential to remember that all women develop an increased insulin resistance whilst pregnant, even those who don't go on to get diagnosed with gestational diabetes. And it's just the women who do not develop enough insulin or are not able to use this insulin correctly who end up diagnosed with this condition. Although there are some risk factors that do place people at high risk of developing gestational diabetes such as obesity or having a family history of diabetes, nobody should feel at fault of getting a diagnosis. And just remember, that dessert you had last night did not make you develop gestational diabetes.
So, to summarise all of this, there are many misconceptions regarding women's reproductive health. These range from old wives' tales surrounding pregnancy to misogynistic beliefs that can harm people's mental health. We hope that today's episode has helped to clear the air and explain why these beliefs are going wrong so that you can have a more complete understanding and also become a more compassionate person when thinking about women's reproductive health. As a disclaimer, AUES is a student-led organisation and the content provided through Endopod is solely for informative purposes. It does not replace advice by a doctor or any other healthcare professional. The medical students involved in making this episode are in their third year of their medical studies. All information provided on this episode will be researched on appropriate resources. To view them, please check the episode description.